0: This morning what I want to do is last night Pastor Chris did a really good job unpacking the why of Christmas. And he talked about how Jesus came and he did not come to condemn the world but he came to save the world and the ramifications of that and how we receive what it is that Jesus has done for us. Well this morning what I want to do is I want to go a little differently and I want to talk a little bit more about the significance of Christmas. Specifically I want to I want to kind of take an angle where We don't always look, we don't always kind of stop and think about how these um, beings perceived Christmas. And so I want to do that. And I want to look at what the angels kind of how they took in Christmas. Because I think the way they respond to Christmas has a lot, a lot to teach us this morning. And just to kind of slow us down and get us to think. But before we do that, we've read the Christmas story. I hope you've talked about it at home in some way, shape, or form. At the same time, though, Those are great ways of showing the Christmas story, but my favorite way of hearing the Christmas story is from the mouth of four-year-olds, then acted out by adults. And so, some of you have already seen this video. It's been kicking around Facebook a lot this last month, but let's be honest, this is just awesome. And so we're gonna start Christmas morning together just laughing and having a good time hearing the Christmas story. So if you don't mind, watch the screens and we'll, we'll throw the video on for you.
1: An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, "Mary, you're gonna have what? I can't say it good. Mary, you're gonna have a baby. I, you're gonna have a baby, and you will call him Jesus." And then Mary was like, "I'm not gonna have a baby yet. I'm only." is not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. You are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was (laughs) Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. (laughs) A camel. Oh yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. <laughs> well, they tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper um for a place to stay. The keeper said, We have no rooms. Literally no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, The only place in here in Bethlehem that that you can stay stay is a staple. And then he just Pointed the way and they followed. <laughs> when the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, and then they saw angels. The angel said, A new baby is get- getting born who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. Glorious. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I Sang said, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> and the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes. Maybe have to camp out a night. And then the man heard about it. And then a star appeared. We should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. (laughs) So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one. They have at home. Some diapers and some (laughs) wipes and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank and Vladimir. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think... He probably because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen
0: that thing a couple dozen times, and I still laugh constantly. Bethlehem is my favorite. <laughs> Gold Frankenstein and Murray. It just doesn't get any better than that. Um, but today, like I said, I want to focus on the significance of Christmas. So that's the story. But why did Christmas happen, and what does it mean? Why does it matter? Really, to understand that, though, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. In order to understand, we have to go all the way back to Genesis 1. And so here's the thing. We're going to start, coming in 2017, we're going to start walking through Scripture. And what I'm going to summarize in about five minutes today is what we're going to spend an entire year looking at. So if you think I'm being oversimplified, I am. But we will be going deeper. But this really is the thrust of the story. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, you have this beautiful example of what God intended for us right? You have the garden. God creates it, and it's amazing. There's rivers that are flowing in it. There's fruit everywhere. There's all sorts of animals, and you don't have animals like fighting each other. And then you have Adam and Eve, the pinnacle of creation, made in the image of God. And the amazing thing about Adam and Eve, they're a married couple that has never fought when they're in the garden, They never fought. It's amazing. They get along, even though they hang out together constantly. They love each other and they build each other up. It's the perfect example of what God intended for us together. But more importantly, when you get into the garden, what you see is Adam and Eve not only have this perfect relationship with each other, but they have this perfect relationship with God. And we're told that in the garden, God walked among them. God walked among them, and they talked together, and they hung out, and there was no separation. God was with them, and they were with God. It's this beautiful picture, but that didn't last. It didn't last. So as soon as you get into Genesis chapter 3, everything falls apart, right? We blame it on the little serpent that comes in and tricks them, but the truth is this. The whole point of it is they sinned. Adam and Eve sinned sinned. They ate the fruit. They turned from God. But here's the thing. I, I think when we talk about sin, we overcomplicate the whole matter. We think it's this super hyper spiritual fanciness of a word. And we're like, oh, sin. That's a dirty word. No, it's really simple. Sin is super simple. And here's what sin is. God intended us to live one way. And sin is us going, yeah, I got a better plan. That's the the sole basis of sin. God told Adam and Eve, I created you. I wired you. I programmed you to live a certain way. I programmed you to be in relationship with me, to obey me, to do what I say, and thrive. That's what I created you for. And Adam and Eve go, yeah, that's great, but I want this fruit. And so they say, no, no, God, I'm going to do my own thing. And what you have from that moment forward is a downward spiral of humanity where from that moment forward, God and man are separated, and they're as far away from each other as possible, and the entire rest of Scripture, the rest of the Old Testament, and really carrying into the New Testament, is God's attempt at getting humanity's attention And getting humanity to stop running from him. The image, you kind of have is God just kind of is standing there. And when his people turn back to him, he he makes a step closer. But the entire time, Adam and Eve and the rest of mankind, we're like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to do what I want over here. And then I'm going to go over here. And God's like standing here the whole time going, guys, seriously, whoa, over here, come on, come back to me. And then you have Adam and Eve and you have the rest of mankind find themselves in trouble, Right? Over and over again, Israel finds themselves in trouble, and God saves them, and God cares for them, and God heals them, and God pursues them, and he sends prophets, and he sends foreign armies to get their attention. He sends plagues to get their attention. And over and over, humanity does its own thing. That is the story of the Old Testament. This God standing on high going, come on, people, come on. And humanity doing its own thing. Then we get into the New Testament. As Pastor Chris described, well, before we get there, okay, here's, here's where I want to talk about today. We, we understand that. And typically when we talk about Scripture, when we talk about the Bible, we understand those two characters, if you will. We understand God and what God is up to. He's trying to love us and bring us back to himself. And we understand humanity. And humanity is kind of like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to be like a sheep that kind of goes astray. We typically talk about the Bible in those terms. But there's actually a third character, set of characters, the angels. Because I don't know if you realize this, they're pretty passive in this entire thing. God just kind of tells them to do the occasional thing. But for the most part, they are sitting up in heaven watching God flail his arms watching God do anything he can in his power to draw his people back to him. And they're watching God. They're seeing the goodness of God. They're seeing how God created humanity. They're seeing what God does for humanity over and over. And then they see what humanity does and how humanity continues to run. And they're just dumbfounded by this. They don't get it. The image I always have is as you read through the Bible is you gotta imagine what the angels are thinking. They gotta be scratching their heads like, how stupid are these people? What is wrong with them? And they're just sitting there scratching their heads, and then, and then God does the unthinkable. He sees us wandering, as Pastor Chris declared, and John makes very clear in his gospel, he sees us wandering in darkness. He sees us at our most hopeless. There is literally, according to Scripture, no possible way for humanity to ever turn back to God. God sees that moment. God sees us in complete darkness. And He says, I got to do something else about this. And so, God, at the exact right moment in history, and if you're saying, why, why did I say exact right moment? There is literally no other point in human history where it was so easy to travel the known world and where everyone spoke the exact same language. There was no point in history that it would have been as easy as that. And at that moment in history, 2,000 years ago, God did the unthinkable. He left the throne room. He left the comforts of heaven. He left everything that was good and bright light, if you will, and he stepped into the darkness to be among us he stepped into the darkness to be among us and in being among us he became light it said he became light and it said and this is the part pastor chris preached on this last night too and john john makes it so clear he didn't come into the world to condemn the world he didn't come to bust heads I don't know if you ever think about this. When you read the Bible, you're like, yeah, they deserve somebody to come down there and smack them around a little. I would. Frankly, I would. I would smack me around a little. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. But he came to bring it life. He came to bring it life. And that's the whole beauty of Christmas. But the real significance The power of Christmas, I think, is most clearly revealed in the angels. Because you and I, we kind of get this and we're like, yeah, it's great. I mean, cute baby Jesus, he's come, he's done some incredible things. But I don't think we truly realize it. I don't think we fully get the significance, the profundity of what happened on that day. I don't think we ever can. We didn't watch God for thousands of years pursue his people. We didn't sit there and go, what is wrong with these people? What is going on? We didn't do that. But one character did. The angels did. The angels saw this. The angels saw all this unfold. They saw God do the incredible. They saw God leave the comforts of heaven and step into the brokenness of humanity. They saw God leave the comforts of heaven, his judgment seat, and step in not to condemn, but to love and forgive and bring life. They saw God leave the comforts of heaven where he couldn't even stub a toe. You ever think about that? There's no stub toes in heaven. Stub toes are clearly an act of sin as a consequence of the fall. He left that to be strung on a cross, suffered utter humiliation, immense pain. The angels saw this. And so here's what happens. The angels get this. And we skip over this so often. It's like three verses in the New New Testament. But it's so powerful. Lee, do you mind throwing it up? Luke 2. Okay, what you got to understand is the image I get here, this is Luke 2. This is when the angels show up in the field. But what I get, and I don't know how you read this. Like you may think, oh, there's just one guy that kind of goes out, and then he declares all this stuff. And, and maybe I like to think, though, because it doesn't say, and I like to read into scripture when it doesn't say, and that's just me. And I don't know that that's not anti-heretical, but whatever. I think this one angel, this one dude, got realized it before all the other angels. He realized what it is that God did, and he couldn't keep his mouth shut. He's like the giddy little kid that ran into your room this morning. And said, Mom, Santa came. (laughs) And so he bursts onto the scene, and he goes, guys, you don't get it. And he doesn't know what to do, so he he just floods a nearby field. He's like, shepherds, I'm going to tell the shepherds. And this is what he says. And there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And then this guy, this angel, he showed up to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were so freaked out. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Don't worry about it. I, I'm here to bring you good news, not God news. It does have to do with God, but capital G, God. Good news. That will cause great joy for all people. For today in the town of David, somewhere just down the road, this angel's like, I was just there. It's just over there. Down of David has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the King. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then, and then it gets even more spectacular. So you've got this one guy, this one angel who's just so He gets it, and he just can't keep his mouth shut. He sees shepherds like, I gotta tell you, gotta tell you. And then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts. That is a terrible translation. Uh, Heavenly hosts, a great company. And you're thinking, a great company? That's like 25 people in my house. (laughs) Great company. Oh, here comes great company. no. Great company is the word myriad. It literally means thousands upon thousands of angels. I think it's every angel that had the ability to sing and probably those like me who didn't know how to sing but they're like, I like to sing. Every one of those angels showed up and they flooded the field. They flooded the field and they couldn't keep their mouth shut about what they had just seen, about what God had done. He left heaven. He came to earth. He stepped out of the light into the darkness to bring light. And they see this and they're like, glory to God in the highest heaven. Glory to God. And on earth, you people, peace. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angels, they get it. They understand what happened. They understand that God left heaven for us. They understand that we, by our own power, could do nothing to get back to God. They understood the depravity of humanity. They understood the divide that separated us from God. They saw it clearly. They saw our unworthiness of a God stepping in to be among us and yet he did it. They saw the goodness of God manned flesh. The incarnate deity. That's what Christmas is all about. So this morning as you go back to be with your families and I hope you do Go back to be with your families. Simple things. Slow down today and say thank you. Take in the wonder of the angels. Realize what this day is. It's not just about the presence that we received. It is truly about what God did for us. And in light of what God did for us, turn and say thank you and raise your voice with the angels and say glory to God in the highest heaven. Let me pray. Father God, we, along with the angels, are truly in awe of what it is that your son has done for us. Lord, I I, I confess that my mind cannot wrap its head around what it is that you have done. I confess, God, that I so easily take Christmas for granted. It's just a day on the calendar. But God, it's the day that we celebrate what you did in coming to bring life to your people. Lord, I pray that I, and along with everyone else in this room, would come to understand the depth of separation that we had from you and the great love that you had in coming to pursue us. Lord, that this Christmas, our lives would truly be changed simply by the reality of your gospel. And God, out of that understanding, Lord, that we would truly receive peace on this earth. That all the other worries, all the frustrations, all the stress of life, God, that they would be seen for what they are, nothing compared for what you have done for us. Lord, in light of this, we turn along with the angels to lift up your name and make you known great into the nations. And so I just pray, God, as we turn in offerings and we turn in song, God, that this would put a giant smile on your face. In Jesus' name, amen.